Hey everyone, it's episode 80 of Griff's Brain Dump. It's me, Griff, obviously. Very late on a Sunday night, 10.44 to be precise. And I have just come back from a gig. At Resistance Comedies, my second gig there. So, fun night again. Hot as hell. Bloody hot. Melt on stage. I couldn't even wear shorts on stage because my legs are peeling so much that it'd just be gross to look at. Um, so, yeah, because apparently black men can burn. Yep, who knew? Who knew black men could burn on holiday? Thought, thought melanin was a superpower, but no, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's, it's not. White men can't jump. Black men can't burn. Then you find out that white men can jump, and it's like, ah, shit. Burning, my legs are burning, and that's what happened. I played football this morning. First 11-a-side game of football for about two and a half years. And that didn't help my leg peeling. That nice kind of clammy conditions between my shin pad and my shin. So, when I, yeah, when I pulled them off, I was just sat in the beer garden drinking a lemonade. Because I was driving with my friend Dan. I was just there picking my skin. I was like, mate, I'm really sorry. This is gross. He's like, nah, let's carry on. So that's happened. That's a good friend. That's someone I've known since I was 11. We were 11. So that's a good 19 years of friendship. We're just willing to sit opposite a guy and let him peel skin off his shin. And you're just going to carry on talking like nothing's actually happening. That's comfort, that. Absolute comfort. Had a nice deep conversation, actually. I won't go into specifics, but we were basically just talking about, you know, just the relationship you have with your parents. Um, which I should say how much we appreciate our our mothers and stuff. Uh, both our fathers passed away. And it's just like, you know what? In life, just in general as well, you've got to uh, eulogise people while they're still alive. I've said this before on Twitter, but the kind of uh, the kind of things you'd want to say to them if they had died. You know, you can almost write, a, the speech could write itself at their funeral. There's some people that have such a big impact in your life. That even if you don't exactly eulogise them, you've got to at least let them know the sentiment of what your eulogy would be. I mean, can't be with them, you know, I mean, yeah, with them all this time in life. <clears throat> you know, never actually expressing how you feel about them. And then you know, when they're gone, you're just like, oh god, they're amazing. They they inspired me. It's because of this I did that. Because of that I did this. And they've never heard you say those words. But never. But um, yeah, you got you got to eulogise your kids. Do your kids? Sorry, what do I kids? <laughs> do I sit your kids? Because my neighbours, well, I'm sat in the car. Neighbours just walking in with their kid, and I'm and in my head, I'm trying to work out if the kid is hers. I'm trying to work out. <clears throat> I'm trying to work out the the composition of this household. So I've seen a white lady. In what I'd guess her forties, um, she may be in her thirties. Who knows? No comment. And I've just seen a mixed race lady who could be anywhere between, well, actually no, seventeen because I just saw her get out of the car. Anywhere between seventeen and twenty-five. And then she she was with a, a black boy who's about seven, seven or eight. So I was just trying to work out, maybe, you know, the white lady is the mum to the mixed race girl who has a kid of a black guy. 
But the kids, the kid looks full black. I don't know. Why do I care? I don't know because it's just in front of me. But some things going on in my mind. But what I was saying, so about yeah, eulogising people while they're still alive. Like yeah, it's so if you've got anyone in your in your life, friends or family, just let them know in it. Let them know how much they mean to you. Maybe even just write it down in the letter, as if you was writing. That's what we're gonna do. Write it as if you was writing the eulogy, and then just scribble that eulogy at the top and just say letter to. Level of appreciation. Trust me. I think you probably make most mums have an absolute breakdown. They'd cry so much. <laughs> I remember I was actually going to write like a really nice speech for my mum at her 60th. That's like a few years back. I had this really nice touching speech. But I'm going to tell any jokes. I was going to just really nice speech. And then I flipping lost the speech. Lost it. I was so angry. And this is before I did stand-ups. I could have a freestyled speech. I, I just had to then just go... I just had to tell shit jokes. Just made it very light-hearted. But I wanted to say something really, really nice. But I, And then, what really annoyed me is two days after the party, search through my drawer and stuff, I find a speech. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. I think I just got rid of the speech so I was annoyed I couldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit angry about it but yeah um, what else I was saying yeah so I played five, uh, not 5 side uh, 11 side full football for the first time we went 1-0 up um, in the second half it was 0-0 first half so clean sheet I was playing centre back they went 1-0 up alright cruising then we conceded one through a mistake then we changed formation to three at the back. Then we conceded two in the space of like five minutes. So it's 3-1. And then we clawed it back to three all. And, you know, we showed resilience, bounce back ability. The Premier League season starting next week as well. Yeah. So City versus Chelsea today. I think Chelsea are in trouble. Because I can predict that. Because like every other football fan, I can watch... 30 minutes of football in the second half of the Community Shield. And I can assess and tell the future of the team. And that's because, you know, all football fans are that insightful. And Chelsea are going to struggle. Fucking that scared the shit out of me. Please tell me that guy's got a gown on or some kind of scarf on his chest. Oh, thank fuck for that, sir. There's a woman with a headscarf. Oh my god, I was so scared. This person's wearing all white. They just appeared out of the night. And all I could see was all white and just red across their chest. It's like, are they just stumbling around, just being juked in the chest? But no, 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 no. They've just, they're wearing a headscarf. You see, now I'm not an Islamophobe, so you've seen someone wearing a headscarf. Didn't scare me. What scared me was someone wearing all white. Thought, well, KKK's here, and then they've been stabbed in the chest. Well, that makes me a bit more calm. Then, oh, they might be quite agitated, looking to get you know one last black kill before they die. Look, they, they said my brain goes off in different places. But um, this week, what's been happening this week in the news? I've been trying to understand this um, Labour anti-Semitism 
thing. It's pretty mad how they keep on calling Jeremy Corbyn an anti-Semite. As the headline. Keep on doing that. The headline. Corbyn. Anti-Semitic and racist. Then the article says. Yeah, in the party, some people have been saying these things. So, well, how's, how's that Corbyn? I know he's the leader. But it's not him. You can't, call, you can't just call someone a racist. And then you cannot evidence anything they've said or done that's racist. It's about he's the party leader. And in a conference, back in this, what was it, 2012, he just let someone say this and that. So that doesn't really make you a racist. I guess it can make you kind of complicit in racism or anti-Semitism, but I don't know. I, I don't like uh, anti-Semitism being classed as racism either. Because anti-Semitism is a dislike against Jewish people, right? Can you not have black Jews and white Jews? If you can have different races within your category, then that category cannot be subject to racism. Yeah, being an Islamophobe is not racism. It's Islamophobia because you can have white, black, brown. Same as Jews. You've got Jews from Ethiopia, you've got Jews. <coughs> your Hasidic Jews, your uh, was it Askenazi Jews. It's always about an unfortunate name because it has the word Nazi in the name. So I always used to misspell it when I had to write it. I used to think it was like Azanaki. That's what I used to think it was. That when I thought it was like Azkenazi. And I was like, ow. Oh, I feel uncomfortable writing the word Nazi when talking about Jews. <clears throat> but again, that's actually one another one of the uh, lines about you can't compare Israel's re re regime or political um, behaviour to the Nazis. That's anti-Semitic. Well, if you can, if you can, if you, if you want to say what happened in Nazi Germany was the worst thing that's happened in history, right? Then surely that is the benchmark that you have to try to avoid going to. Yep, if you're talking about governments. So if you're going to do that, then surely every if you're going to compare every other government to that, how close or how far away from Nazism you are, then why can't Israel be included in that? And also talking about criticism, Israel is anti-Semitism. Again, it's like no, not not really. It's just a, it's a political state, so it should be. I don't think it should be included. Although I will say that I definitely do understand the fear that when someone's criticising Israel, they are just criticising Jewish people. I've heard people say it. I've heard people say it. I mean, who, what do you call someone from Italy? Italian. Okay, what do you call someone from Egypt? Egyptian. What do you call someone from Israel? Jew. It's just like, no, no, they're, they're Israeli. They're Israeli. Yeah, but you know, problem with Israel is that, no, that, that's got nothing to do no, 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 there's this Jewish guy in my shop. It's like again, this has no, these things don't have anything to do with each other. Stop, stop putting them together. So I get that. I definitely get that kind of fear. Um, I know. I just think I find it really easy not to be anti-Semitic. Um, I'd find, I think I'd find it quite easy to discuss Israel's politics without being anti-Semitic. So to have the guideline of whatever you say, you say anything against Israel is anti-Semitic. So I don't like that. I don't like that. Because I don't know what the solution is for Palestine and Israel. Alright? I don't know that. I don't know. Um, and 
to be fully honest, I don't care. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I've never... I understand why they would care. I'm not saying they shouldn't care. You know, it's, it's not like other issues in the world. I'm like, why do people care about that? I understand why individuals care about their own plight. I mean, if you're Palestinian, it's probably the most important thing ever. You've got an area of land that people's saying, we don't recognise you as a state. And that's... And you're not protected from getting bombed. I mean, how can you not criticise a country who's just bombing people? He said, well, they, they, they threw stones at us. It's just like, man, this is not really like for like, is it? Not really. But, um, I don't know. I want to do two-state solution. Could do that. But then they've got, like, bits where they find sacred, innit? This is a problem with, like, sacredicity. Sacricity. There's a word that I can't bother to look up. I always compare religion to football. So, see, religions be tied to the state, which complicates things. If religion was separate from the state, it wouldn't matter. But it is a religious thing. But, uh, yeah, I always compare religion to football. Same thing, people turn up to somewhere once, maybe more time, more than once a week, to worship. Right? They pay the money, they tithe. Price of season tickets, Jesus. Yeah, they tithe. They have idols, they idolise, and I mean, spiritual homes. You seem to like the upset some fans get when a team tries to move their stadium away from our spiritual home. Like when West Ham moved from Upton Park, a spiritual home, to Olympic Stadium. It's, it's lifeless, it's soulless. I mean, I guess that's how you know, people in the Middle East would feel if you just like lifted their synagogue or mosque or temple or whatever place of worship just to a different part of the country it's like no got history here 100 years of mediocrity as a football team we never won anything but we can't leave it as a spiritual home people protesting about their team moving stadium Jesus Christ that's human beings our priorities are pretty shit um, what else are we going to talk about? I think that's it for the week of news and stuff. Uh, is there anything else that I've noticed? In the... No. Shit, I came back from Costa Rica this week, I just remembered. Damn. <clears throat> Completely forgot. It seems like ages ago I was in Costa Rica. Um, and I got a lot of feedback from uh, Naomi. That if you didn't work out, that's what's that's why the podcast was named that. Named the time is now, Naomi. That's how you pronounce Naomi in a in a Spanish accent, apparently, or in Costa Rican. Naomi, Naomi. <clears throat> so yeah, um, got a lot of good feedback. People really enjoyed her being on the podcast, which is funny. So don't worry, that'll happen more in the future. But she's not stealing my thunder. You know these women keep on coming on my podcast. My mum. Uh, uh, <laughs> she had this, this podcast. She heard me say that. She's like, Who's uh, who are you calling uh? I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, so to be disrespectful. Her pronounce the H, her, but um, 
yeah, it's coming out of Costa Rica, so I had to just adjust to normal life, man. It's been mad. You know, when your meals ended, that's it. I was all inclusive, man. When the meals ended, I do what I do. I'm gonna just have another meal. I'm gonna keep eating until you know I'm bored of eating now. That's what I'm gonna stop. Not when I'm full, just when I'm bored of chewing. Same with drinking. I was drinking for breakfast, having mimosas. That was just regular. I'd have a mimosa with my like smoked salmon and eggs, French toast, put syrup on that shit. Had plants in there, cheese. I was just eating all this crazy stuff. And then that was my first course. I'd wash that down with a nice mimosa. Then I'll get a nice Costa Rican coffee, some hot milk. Grab a donut and a croissant, just eat that. So do you know what? Now I'm ready for the day. Needed all that energy for the day. Why? What are we doing today, Darren? We are going to sit by the pool and drink alcohol. Yeah, I had to get myself ready for that. Drinking cocktails at like 10am. Now I hardly want to go back to the office. Everyone's making their morning coffee. And I'm just there, just like, ugh. What are you doing, Darren? Making a smoothie? It's got a little bit of pineapple, a bit of coconut. There's like, no, I'm making a pina colada. Thirsty. It's bloody 10am, still sober. It's dreadful. Wow, but we're back. And, you know, I can't even, uh, can't even dress for this weather. The heat in England since I've got back has been shit. Because I can't wear what I want to wear. I just want to wear swim shorts. Swim shorts, dip in the pool, that's it. I can't do that. Not in the UK, no. I've got to sit in my bloody trousers on a tube, trying not to melt. Have my DNA merge with someone else. Ugh. Anyway, <clears throat> let's not uh, dwell on anything else. Uh, let's get to your dear 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 What, what is the theme on Dear Digi? Why does it keep happening? Here it goes. Typical Dear Digi stuff. So I'm starting to think these things are made up. Dear Digi, I'm in a lesbian relationship, but I can't stop sleeping with my girlfriends. What's the theme being? Yep, dad. I've been in a relationship with my lesbian lover for more than a year, but I can't help cheating on her with her dad. I've always felt I was gay and I had never had sex with a man before. Oh, shit. This is like reverse closet. You're going into the closet. Mad. I'm 21 and I met my girlfriend at work. We fell for each other instantly and quickly started the relationship. We love each other deeply. And six months ago, she asked me to move in with her. She's 25 and has her own flat. Upgrade. Her parents and mine accepted our relationship, but things could not have been and things could not have been better. See, as we know with humans, this is all too perfect. Let me activate the fuck up button. And sh- her sister got married last month and I was invited to my girlfriend's part as my girlfriend's partner. Oh my God, we are so progressive. The wedding was beautiful. They had a big reception and a disco at the hotel. The bar was free. No, it wasn't. It's just you didn't pay for the bar. Why do people say it's a free bar? No. Someone paid for it. You just didn't pay. Anyway, the bar was free, and everyone kept drinking all through the afternoon and into the evening, obviously. 
my girlfriend got very drunk and fell asleep in an armchair. I asked her dad to help. Yeah, I knew this was coming. Well, let me let me guess what it's gonna say. I asked her dad. Asked her dad to help me uh, help me take her to bed. We did, and then we realised. Oh, no, wait. Would they have? They would have had sex right in front of her while she's passed out. Let me guess what happens. They looked each other in the eyes, and he said, "You're very beautiful." And I realised that I've never been complimented by a guy before, and he seems so mature and so. Nice. Uh, but I didn't say anything about it. Next time I went round for dinner, but my girlfriend wasn't there. Neither was her mother. Uh, he invited me round and we, we drank a bottle of wine and then one thing led to another and we started kissing passionately. The sex was mind-blowing. Right, that's my prediction of what's going to happen. Let's, let's read this. I asked her dad to help me get her upstairs to our room discreetly. After we got her into bed, he said we should go down and have one more drink to round off the evening. I think there's one more drink. People were still drinking and dancing. My girlfriend's mum was sitting in the corner, chatting with other relatives, and nobody noticed that we took our drinks into the garden. We sat and talked. My girlfriend's dad is 48 and is still very good looking. He said he had always found me attractive and he kissed me. I was taken aback, but I responded. The next thing I knew, we were having sex in a hidden corner of the garden. Ah, see, there it is. Next thing I knew, one thing led to the... <laughs> I love that. Next thing I knew, is that here's the things I know. I know that I'll come to the party with my girlfriend. I know she's drunk because she's asleep. And, you know, I know the capital of Costa Rica San Jose. And then the next thing I knew, I was having sex with her dad. And I'm a lesbian. Crazy. It's crazy the things you find out, isn't it? Learn something new every day. And that's the next thing I knew. Amazing knowledge. Um, in the corner of the garden, it was fantastic. Mind-blowing. I went forward to sex. I never thought sex of a man could be so good. Afterwards, he said I was amazing. And he would be up for it any time I wanted. I said no at the time, but I couldn't stop thinking about him. Each time my girlfriend put their strap on, I was like, no, no, no. Put a smaller one on. Why? Uh, no reason. It's just, uh, you know, just reminds me of someone. <laughs> <coughs> Shit. We have texted each other since and met for sex a few times. I feel guilty, but I don't want to stop because sex with him is so good. I am really confused. Does that mean I'm not a lesbian or should I stop seeing Or should I stop seeing him? I am a lesbian, so I'll stop seeing him. Actually, I'm not a lesbian, so I'll carry on bagging it that. Um, how about you just carry on bagging it that, and then just you know wind the relationship down. Just you know make your make your excuses and leave because you can't stick with her after you've banged her dad. Jeez, unless you have a dad for her to bang. Little swap, little dad swap. Not sure how your respective mums will feel about this, but you know. I'm sure the dads will high five over a pint. Anyway, uh, here we go. Serial cheat. Serial cheat. I bought him crunchy nut, but he always goes to eat a bit cereal. Anyway, um, why am I still with my partner if he always if he's always cheating on me? 
Dear Deirdre, why do I still want to be with my partner who is a horrible man and a serial cheat? We've been together for 20 years and have four kids. That's why you're a woman, don't break up your family, don't upset your kids, but your kids are still young. Women, you feel too much sometimes. Anyway, I'm 41, he's 44. He told me he's going to leave me for a woman he has been having an affair with for three months. There you go, bit of warning. Why am I upset? I've known him for 22 years and he has father children all over the country in that time. I always have him back. What is the matter with me? Why do I assume the man's Jamaican? Fucking see, see how bad this imagery is. You know, these stereotypes just... Oh, God. It's getting in your head, even if it's about someone like me, myself. But um, what are you going to do? Well, you ain't left him. And the amount of kids he's got, he's probably ain't got much money, so he's not worth divorcing. Maybe just separate, you know. Maybe it just takes you to bang another guy, and then he's like, oh, shit, this ain't fun. Because he's just had his cake and eating it. He knows he can bang. He knows, the yeah, you've, you've set the boundaries. He's got kids up and down the country. Guess what? You're still there. Why the hell would he stop? I'm surprised he's leaving. You must be annoying. Because ain't his conscious. For a man to be banging and having kids up and down the country and stay with you for 20 years and then suddenly he's like, do you know what? I'm leaving. He's the one saying he's leaving. You must be annoying. You must, be, you must have done something wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Last one, my mother-in-law is refusing to come to our wedding because I won't take her son's surname. Good. I told my fiancé I want to keep my surname after we marry. No. He's okay with it, but his mum says it's insulting and she won't go to the wedding. Good. I'm 24, he's 26, and I've talked to my girlfriends, and they said there's nothing wrong with keeping your own surname. There is. Um, I have told him that if we have children, they will, of course, have his surname. All right, compromise done. Fine, you don't have to have my surname. As long as the kids have mine. I love my fiance, and I, I am excited, and what, well, and I'm excited about getting married. But I feel like my surname is part of me. Am I being selfish? Nah, you're not. And do you know what? Don't worry about my friend or not coming. Don't you worry about that. You just say to him, look, I want your mum there. I'm sure you want her there. But this is what it is. So what are we going to do about it? Oh, wow. This is what I was about to. <clears throat> oh, wow. Um, okay, let's do one more. Because this is a madness. <clears throat> so I thought I was going on my chest. Um, girlfriend got on top of me when I was erect, but asleep. It felt like rape. Okay. My girlfriend got on top of me when I was erect, but asleep. She made herself climax, then climbed off, and I didn't wake up. What the fuck did you take if we went to bed? That is mad. How do you even know this happened if you didn't wake up? I don't know how I feel about this. I love her a lot. We're both 22 and I've been together nearly two years. We were chatting in bed about sex and really intimate stuff. And that's when she said what she'd done. I was so I was too shocked to respond. But later I told her it felt like rape. She laughed and said I was just being silly. Now fuck that. Don't like that arrogance of no, don't worry. Always happens, man. When there's an equivalence between men and women. 
and shit stuff that happens to women and a man tries to say well do you know what that is what happened to me women go ah, i don't want to stop it stop being a bitch it's like what I can't have sex with while i'm asleep Imagine if i did that to you, and you maybe she likes it i don't know she laughed as i was being silly maybe i am but i'm feeling messed up and too anxious to sleep i don't know if she's done that before and i don't want to ask yeah shit that is kind of mad well yeah your sexual assault can't be raped because of the law and that the law says you can't rape unless you have a penis um i mean yeah i guess unless you want to bang her when she's asleep there's no way of balancing this out so um i maybe wear a chastity belt to bed that's what it was. You were dressed like a slut. That was your problem, mate. Yeah, you had your fucking crotchless pants on in bed. Practically asking for it, fella. Just laying there with your dick all hard. What else was she meant to do? This poor woman was there, sexually frustrated, wanting sex, and you're there laying next to her with your dick all hard in the night, in the night light, the moon through the window. Going across your penis, she's just like, he is teasing me. <laughs> no, this is serious though. You need to tell her, look, don't ever do that again, innit? And she tries to, like, you know, just try to sweep it under the rug, belittle you. They go, imagine if I did that to you. And then she goes, I would love it. And you go, do you know what? You're with a freak and you might have to get on board with the madness. But if you don't really want to get in board, you might have to leave her. You know? So, um, yeah. It's, it's just or sleep bang someone else. I, again, that's not the best response. So don't do this to advice. Anyway, this is our, this just gone after over half an hour. So I'm ending the podcast. That is it. All right.